from the visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series, Reboot, comes movies we were way too young to see. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds like. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, a look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. I am your co-host, Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the Malv. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, Malv, welcome back. And yes, do we have a special Easter episode for you guys. Oh, we do. We do. I'm a little scared, though. I'm a Uh, little scared. I'm sure Jesus was scared, too. (laughs) Uh, but before we get into this, yes, it's going to be Easter. You got any cool plans? I'm going to watch a good film. You know how it is. Yeah, cool. Well, without further ado, it's time to get into the movie we were way too young to see for the week. A film that made so much money, we're still waiting on the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the 2004 epic, The Passion of the Christ. Heavy, heavy movie. Well, it's not movies we were way too young to see without revealing the age we were when we first saw this. So, Malv, go ahead and do the honors. Well, I was going 13, going on 14. Shout out to Jennifer Gardner. <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you know, um, uh, this was crazy, but we usually used to go into radar movies. We used to just sneak into them, find our way to sneak in. But I don't know why, but for some reason, I went to the ticket counter. And to I was like, purchase this to ticket? To purchase the, the, for the Passion of As the Christ. As a 13-year-old. Yeah, I went up and I asked. I was like, can I get a ticket for the Passion of the Christ? <laughs> I just remember the attendant just looks down on me. He was like, No cannot see this movie it's rated r and i was just like oh okay <laughs> i like i turned around what were you expecting like well okay i i, I was thinking that again i was like what am i expecting and i was like to be honest i think it was what uh, happened when i was saw like saving private ryan it was like one of those movies where like i thought you just every you know it was rated because r because it was get, so important you thought everybody like it was like an experience yeah like uh, so like, rating wouldn't be a factor it didn't matter yeah that's why well, that I was wrong <laughs> I was totally wrong. Well, the good thing for me, right when I was turning around, I just hear this this voice go like, "No, you cannot do that." And I was like, "What?" And I like I turn around, and it was just like my white savior right there. Oh, it was just like this big white lady from behind me, like the the customer right behind me. She's talking to the attendant. She goes, "If this young man wants to learn about Jesus, his Lord and Savior, then he has the right to. You have you can't stop him from seeing this movie." Amen. Amen. Straight up. And I turn and I'm like, I don't know what else, but like, I just see them talk, talking really loudly and arguing. And out of nowhere, she just turns to me and goes, you have your cash and like, you have your money. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I like, you know, here, you know, and I just give it to her. And then she turns back, gives me a ticket. And it's like, all right now. Well, I'm going to go into the movies. It was like 30 minutes earlier, you know, and she's like, but I talked to the attendant and like, you're not going to have any trouble once you come and try to come and see the movie. Okay. And I was like, yeah. Well, thank you. You, know, and I, you I were know, meant to see that movie that day. I was, you it was know, a guardian angel. And I know she had to end it with like, you know, have a blessed day, you know, hopefully to see you after the movie. And like, yeah, that's when I, as a 13 year old, I sat in the dark theater and just saw a movie that. Yeah, that would stick with me. <laughs> that would stick with me for sure. Uh, my story isn't as memorable. I ended up seeing it with my family. We saw it on a Sunday. I also grew up in a pretty religious household, uh, Catholicism, and my church is still doing screenings of the Passion of the Christ. They're doing two today. They have a matinee showing and then a 7 p.m. showing. So it's still popular. That's why we're doing this movie right now. It is the season of Lent. Easter is literally right around the corner. And uh, just time to reflect 
And that's what we're doing with this movie. Um, I saw it at Pacific Theaters. I saw it on a Sunday. I remember being super packed, like super, super packed. I think it released February 25th, and box office-wise, this killed it. Insane. Worldwide. For... <laughs> I love that. Right? But for an R-rated movie, man, that's crazy. It's still one considered one of the highest-grossing R-rated films of all time. Yeah, dude. Like, it's the that's power of insane. Christ. <laughs> it compels, it compels you. <laughs> Okay, okay. I think we should get into the logline a little bit, yes? Okay, the logline. Depicts the final 12 hours in the life of Jesus of Nazareth on the day of his crucifixion in Jerusalem. Whoa. It's pretty intense. That's heavy. I really (laughs) like the fact that it is contained, like the story is really contained, and the cast and crew do a phenomenal job portraying these these iconic biblical characters. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Monica Bellucci. As Mary Magdalene, I really liked her portrayal. Actually, very pretty, too. (laughs) Uh, Maya Morgenstern, she plays Mary, the mother, to J.C., Jim Caviezel, who plays Jesus of Nazareth. (laughs) Who plays J.C. Yeah, J.C. plays J.C. (laughs) He had this really, like, um, behind-the-scenes stuff that happened to him, right? Crazy shit. So when he was filming this movie, he got electrocuted. He got his hair burned. He actually got scars from the whipping. He has, like, a 14-inch gash, like, on the side of his back. And um, I'm sure just getting into character for all this stuff, it it took a toll emotionally, physically, spiritually, like, location. He got hypothermia and pneumonia. Like, this dude really, really... He put his soul into this this portrayal, and he did a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. No, I felt that from everybody, you know, just to slightly say, you know, like, they all put in their work, especially in this movie. They had to learn lang- different languages that they're not even accustomed to, you know, Latin, Hebrew, Aramaic. You have to give these actors that much. Like, that's the mental, you know, part of the acting. But, like, what you're talking about, JC here, it's like, dang, there is a physicality to it, and this is brutal if you still have these effects, you know? Yeah. Shout out to the cast for, for committing to that, but the crew... Or creating that vision. So the screenwriters, it's actually written by two gentlemen, Mel Gibson and Benedict Fitzgerald. Mel Gibson, pretty right. sure you guys should be familiar <laughs> with that name. Lethal Weapon. Patriot. The Patriot. Apocalypto. Apocalypto yeah. Hacksaw Ridge. So many. Just so, figured, he's a super Tim talented Cup. dude. Did he do Tim Cup? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. I didn't know that. That was pretty I didn't know that. Yeah, Mel Gibson, dude, basically bet on himself in this movie. He raised $30 million of his own money. No one wanted to... to to fund this film, and he said, you know what? I think this is a cool story. I'm going to do it myself, and look, he reaped the reward. So so kudos on that for taking a chance, and um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so moving on from that, we gave you guys the logline, but maybe some of you guys who aren't as religious as us growing up are a little unfamiliar with the backstory of the Passion of the Christ. So Malv is going to go ahead and give us a super (laughs) abridged version of it, okay? All right, so like Mowgli said, this is like the last final hours of Jesus' life. And the main important uh, beats of this is that... He shows up. He shows up to Jerusalem. Five days later, he ends up dead. He gets betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas. Judas. Judas sells him out, and then he gets crucified. Jesus, three days later, he ends up coming back from the dead. And this is a story that has been told for generations and generations. We're still telling it. Ultimately, though, for me, I think this is a story about betrayal, about forgiveness, and about consequences. I like that. Yeah. That's totally, yeah. That's definitely all that. What do you think about Mel Gibson's interpretation with this? Okay, I don't know. Well, none of the listeners know, but you know it. This is one of my go-to cry movies. That's crazy that you have, like, (laughs) I can only watch this movie probably once a year. Good on you, dude. (laughs) But, like, it's just that good. You know, Mel Gibson is that 
master of a filmmaker, you know, and this one shows it, especially it is an adaptation of a story, the greatest story ever told, you know, a story well known. And he adds his own flavor to it. And it's a flavor that we hadn't even seen at the time, especially with these religious films, you know, these faith based movies. I already hate most of faith based movies. I think they're trash. They're horrible, you know, but why do you think so? It's just like the like you don't think the realism, the acting, everything about it is just it takes you out of every, immersion. Almost everything those movies do take me out of the immersion. You know, Mel Gibson does like the opposite. What he he brings out realism. You know, like that. I, I would love, agree with that. I would agree you know? with the realism. And uh, and that's where I would segue to my favorite first scene. You know, like my favorite element actually of the movie and a, a real real. I never even expected this kind of direction from. Mel Gibson. So just in the story, Judas has betrayed Jesus by accepting 20 pieces of silver from the high priests who don't like Jesus and want to get rid of him. But he gets like remorseful, you know, at the end. And he sees Jesus get tied up, get... He sees the consequences of his actions. So growing up, I didn't feel sorry for Judas watching it. Now, though, there is a little bit of empathy because you understand that he did feel sorry but and that's it, all Mel Gibson, though. It, it was too late. And No, I love what you said. That's all Mel Gibson. And the one scene I want to say that comes with is the uh, the first demon, the real demonic scene with Judas and uh, what is it? What is it? What would you call those it? Those kids, those yeah. demon children. Yeah, right? those little demon babies. And I'm not going to lie. Let me go on a side quest first. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, go ahead. But while I was watching it, it totally, this scene reminds me of Hercules of when the first time pain and panic turned into their little kid oh, mode. Yeah. You yes, know, yes, and yes, just, yes, yes. So this is almost exactly like this, except if it was directed by David Lynch with real actors, you know. The way you're describing it is very accurate. I totally agree. Mel Gibson has a lot of credit for this, but also give a shout out to the actor who played Judas, Luca Leonello. Oh, yeah. He no, did really solid, too. You, you have to, too. But one thing I want to say, like, his acting was good because you saw it in the face. You know, you saw that remorse. He was... Thinking of his betrayal, he's going crazy. These kids are like, you're cursed, you're cursed, little man. You know, like. And, and then all those other kids at the end. Is that in his imagination, though, the herd of kids? Do you think I, it is? I think, no, some some are and some aren't. But I think, like, it's just the power of evil, you know. It got all other little kids in town to, like, it, push it, Judah to the edge. I like Judas what you said the there because that reminds me. It's just the, the herd mentality, the crowd yeah. mentality. And you start with the children and then you get with the adults and the crucifixion of Jesus later. So that's another element that oh. that. that Gibson explores. No, yeah, just a different level. Judas ends up hanging himself. What did you think of that? Was that justifiable? Oh, yeah. I think like it's I think it's hard, especially in film, is to it's hard to explain your a character's inner psyche, you know, or, or their inner struggle. And Mel Gibson does that good by using the the demon as like a guilt manifestation. And you see this at when Judas does kill himself. The demons are still there around him because remember there's like a dead like cattle there and it was all full of flies maggots and flies yeah you know and that's just like ooh, that's kind of what judas is going through you know what i like about this the way it's not really a side quest but you know what i really like about what you're saying right there about the good and evil i like the fact that gibson and his interpretation of these evil people they look kind of similar to the average human being and i think that plays into the factor that evil is all around you you don't know who's good you don't know who's bad obviously though because they have the little dwarf baby who's (laughs) like an old man eventually like you see that and like all these snakes that's a demon yeah yeah. (laughs) 
But it, this is the, the like the androgynous kind of non-binary demon. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It feels realistic in this setting. No, and definitely. And you need those things too, because like what I was saying is like it's hard. You can't just film. You can't just film Judas like staring into the camera, away from the camera, and try to get into his character. Like you got to add certain you know surreal, realist, realistic images. You know, like we all go through that. Like if we have a decision to make, and our brains are just running I'm not saying we see hallucinations but you know maybe some people do you know but i like that how we see the consequence his consequence was killing himself right the the guilt and the crime was way too much he couldn't forgive himself mm-hmm. so he ended up taking his own life yes yes and I, that's what i love about gibson he's giving you a little glimpse or an idea of a character mm-hmm. that we only have a little bit of idea in the text right like we all know judas as the bad you know, the bad disciple. Don't be like Judas, you know. Yes, but, the betrayer. And he, he gives you a little hint. Like, no, this is a human being. Like, we're all human beings. You know, it's hard. I'm going to bring this up also. Another betrayer, Peter. Peter abandons Jesus as well. Mm-hmm. And Jesus calls him out. He's like, you're going you're gonna to reject me three times. And then, yeah, that's going to happen. So it's like, I never knew him. I never knew him. Then mm-hmm. you, you get a close-up shot of Jesus. And, like, really, when I see his face... Uh, just very modern. It's just like, really, bro? You're going to leave me like this? Like, that's, that's how I felt like Jesus was looking at Peter. It's like, damn, dog. Like, about to die. And yeah, with this leave. busted eye, too. After, yeah. They broke, yeah, no, it's brutal. Yeah, it's super brutal. But that leads us into the next kind of important scene that we want to talk about and these themes of consequences and betrayal and forgiveness. I want to talk about Pontius Pilate. So after these high priests, they take him to Pontius Pilate. And it's like, yo, we already punished him. Punish him even more, Pontius. And Pontius like, yo, I'm not trying to get into this stuff. Go to the dude above me, and the dude above him is like, yo, Jesus. Go to King Harold. Let's yeah. see what he says. King Harold's like, yo, I'm just doing my harem right here. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't care about Jesus right now, yeah. dude. He's not doing anything for me. Send him back to Pontius. Pontius is like, he's trying to do whatever in his power to not start an uprising, but if it's the high priest followers or if it's Jesus followers, it's a lose-lose scenario for him, and he's super concerned about this because he had like a vision, right? His own life is in hand as well. You yes. Know? He's like, yo, if I mess up one more time, that's my life, so... I feel like he doesn't want to be responsible for this decision because Straight he knows, up. like, either way he loses. So he's trying to give them the choice when they bring in the other prisoner. What's his name? Barabbas? Yeah. Barabbas. Oh, God. So what disgusting. a yeah. fucking dude, right? Molester, rapist, yeah. and killer, those, right? His teeth. So disgusting. You know? I, I love the teeth. That's another thing, too. Everyone had such bad teeth in this. The Romans. Realism. <laughs> Colgate. Quickly invented right after this, right? Toothpaste? 1 AD, full. Yeah. <laughs> That's but going back to Pontius Pilate, he didn't want to do that, man. He he wanted he wanted them to give the choice, and ultimately it was the high priest and his spite and his jealousy and his resentment for Jesus that prevented Jesus from being free because mm-hmm. he gave him the option. He's like, yo, take Barabbas or you guys want Jesus. And like, yeah. we take Barabbas. Yeah. We don't want Jesus. We don't want this dude. We want Barabbas. Give us the rapist. But no, that that's what, uh, you know, that writing, that direction too, because this is another character a real character based in real life this is an adaptation of a real event or you know in religion of a historical event i'll just say it as that you know but this historical person also has two views right some people say he did it right some people did it wrong and through the acting as well you see that struggle he chooses because he even struggling to be like how do i even present giving them Babadas, which, you know... Yeah, it, the answer should be so easy. Mm. Like, you're going to take Jesus, but yeah. it, it's not the case because it's just... There's really that that hatred, and these high priests, they can't forgive Jesus for whatever he did. I guess also, like, Jesus claimed... This is pretty important. He claimed that he can destroy their temple and rebuild it in three days, yeah. and that's kind of like blasphemy. the tipping point. Yeah, that was blasphemy considered for them. 
Yeah, because we don't want to get too much into like the you know actual theologic. We're trying to go through it to like the film aspect. So the character, you know, as characters in the watching film. it now too. Mm-hmm. Another thing, when you mentioned that too, watching it back now, I'm I'm noticing more the demon and, and their journey because each time Jesus is getting punished or beaten, we cut to the crowd and we see that that androgynous demon in there somewhere and lingering to me it's just like come on dude join the dark side what, yeah. what are you waiting for you don't want to forgive these people look what they're doing to you all with no you works. want revenge exactly and that's the best part looks, because just it's looks, all it's just, image it's all it's the score and, and, and the acting straight up straight yeah. up and i love that and you got to move that camera that well you know like especially you gotta love it when you see this uh, i'm gonna call it the non-binary satan demon <laughs> yeah right you know r- walking in the background it's like you that's what I love about Mel Gibson in this and his adaptation. It's like, we didn't see that before. There, ha- there hasn't really been movies where you see the demon or your guilt being manifested going around in real escape. Because the way you would have done this in the old times, if like Cecil DeMille probably directed this, it would be like you would just have a like static shot of showing Jesus, like staring at Jesus. I don't think you would show a demon or the evil truly around at that time even though it was in the bible or the source material is telling evil is always here and it's always a constant battle Mm -hmm. you know and maybe the battle isn't always crazy anger crazy shit like with judas maybe the battle is kind of last temptation of christ's battle you know like interesting you know here's the greener side do you want to come it's like i can't (laughs) that's not my purpose you know (laughs) i had mentioned the music score i should go ahead and give a shout out to the actual composer is a gentleman named John Debney. He had previously worked with Mel Gibson, I think in Hacksaw Ridge. There's a couple other things under his belt. I uh, just wanted to give him a shout-out because it really, really added to this film, I think. Like, it brings you it, to the world. That's all he does. Beautiful, it's immersive. but it, it just, it, it's a range of emotions, I feel, when I'm listening to this score. Because, yes, it is beautiful, but at the same time, you can see kind of empathy. You can see heartache. You can see, like, anger. Uh, it's just a roller coaster of emotions, and good job conveying that. All right, well, let's get to the kind of the final, final piece that we want to talk about, and that is the crucifixion scene. The climax or just of the like, I guess, it's not even the crucifixion, it's like the beating, because he gets like beaten with those whips, with those oh. things. Oh, my oh, gosh. He gets like metal pieces in them. When it sticks to his body and it, it rips, rips out. out. Yeah. Oh, you see the skin Everyone and the blood, it. like, and that water. Oh, well, it's blood, but like, you know, just the way it, way it flows out, you know, like. Yeah, it's that's vi- so morbid to say. <laughs> no, it is. It's true, but you need it too, and that's what I love about this is that realism, that surreal realism that brought this. And I'm saying this is what makes this the number one religious film ever made or faith based film, because it's shit like that. You never saw that. Like the violence was a true controversy at the time. It was always it on the news. It still is. For me, though, it isn't because I feel that it is a part of the story. You need that because the movies are a whole experience. And you, you know, want to see that. You have to see it to feel it. Because it's think, an experience. you got to feel the movie. I, I honestly think that these dudes were as brutal, probably even more brutal. Oh, yeah, no. There's prob- I'm sitting here, watch, when I'm watching it, I go, damn, we just think it was this bad. It was probably way worse, Yeah, yeah. you know, in reality. And, like, I think that's the great thing about Mel Gibson. He wasn't trying to shield us from that. Because, like, so many movies beforehand were doing that. Ben-Hur. Uh, Ten, Ten Commandments. Commandments, you know, movies like that, they all did it. It was part of the time as well, but at the same time, I feel like there was no, none of those master makers could have possibly thought like, yo, maybe demon image or horror imagery in a religious film will work. I like that. I like that. It's going to bring me to kind of a side quest. The, Mel Gibson's interpretation of the passion of the Christ reminds me of what 
Christopher Nolan was trying to do with you know superhero movies. He's trying to add that realism element. Oh, he did. Well, okay, yeah, he okay, succeeded. They both did, okay, yes. okay, yes, they both okay. did. But I'm just using those as good examples. Like you remember what happened previously, like Batman '89. Then you get Batman like Begins. It's like oh yeah, it's like a different element. So for this, it's like you have Ben Hur, you have Ten Commandments, then you have the Passion of the Christ. It's like oh wow, you can tackle this subject matter. In this method. I love your, like, comparison to Nolan, but that's where it breaks. Like, they both started something new, but only people in the superhero genre, I feel, are trying to recopy Nolan's magic. I feel like in faith religious movies, in the movie world, even the bootleg ones... I feel like no one really tried to go. Are for they it. scared? They probably scared of the consequences. They but saw the, what happened. What to consequences? You got three hundred seventy million dollars, the highest grossing R-rated movie of all time. Like you, you, you hear all of these stories, and it happened in Passion of the Christ. It happened in Poltergeist. It happens in all of these mm, supernatural be, movies where, like, behind the set, on, yeah. yeah, like behind the scenes stuff, and like super, like messing with the energy and the spirits. And um, I'm sure people are really concerned about that because. We could be, that could be real, that could be not. We have no idea yeah. knowing that. So it's like, yo, I'm not trying to tempt that hand. So let's just kind of slowly walk away. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, no one still has the cojones, just Mel Gibson to, re- well, scratch Actually, I'm going to scratch no that one. right now. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane with Passion of the Christ too. Uh, the Red Ducks. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> crucify this. Okay, I just scratched my own one. But yeah, no, it's still very hard. The only other movie after is Noah that I would think is Kind of on par with this one. Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Yeah, I remember that. That's Russell Crowe. Yeah. That's the closest on par of originality, but st- sticking to the story. Actually, that feels cinematic. more like an epic. That feels like an epic. Okay. Because I always call this one an epic. To me, this always feels, but I see that more like over there. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's what it is. Like, that's the filmmaking. I'm surprised people, Mel Gibson's coming back for sure trying to do part two. But it's crazy how no other religious filmmakers or even new up-and-comers hasn't tried maybe a more brutal act to certain stories. Because, you know, I grew up with all these stories, but children form. It's crazy how we still don't have an adult form like in the superhero world, you know? Well, that's maybe where we come in. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are interested in that? Okay, going back to the actual crucifixion. Whoa, super painful, that crown of thorns. Mm. Ugh, The gentleman who ends up helping him, helping Jesus carry the cross and just like... He's like, okay, you're almost there. You're almost there. It's like, dude, he's almost there to die. (laughs) It's like, Jesus knows, like, yo, everything about this is freaking terrible. Yeah. It's like, I understand you're trying to be compassionate and help me out, but I'm I'm, I'm going to (laughs) die. This is the end of the road for me. No, I like that because they have that look, you know. It's like, what should I do? Everyone was scared. No one wanted to step up. I think it's just they're such big, intimidating dudes that it it sucks, dude. And it happens today, too. That's something that hopefully it changes but after Jesus dies, though, I wanted to talk about that because as painful as that was, Jesus at the end, to quote System of a Down, Father, why have you forsaken me? He thinks that God didn't remember him. That's not the case, though. Nope. And I really, really like what you were saying when you first saw this about that water drop in the rain. Well, because right after he does it, the raindrop falls, and then that's when the temple gets destroyed. It was at this moment that he knew. He fucked up. It was, you know, and for me, that was like, you know, it really was just a symbol of, you know, I always interpret it as it was God's tear, you know, I shedding like a tear for his only son, his begotten son. And it made that, you know, and I loved what that image of it. And no lie, I know this is going to sound weird, but after that tear shop in the movie ended, when I left the theater, it was a little bit nighttime. 
it was it was like about it was to rain. raining. Yeah, it was raining. Wow, it was that's rain. pretty heavy. Yeah, that's why I really remember this whole like experience watching this movie. <laughs> like it's fucking crazy. So, you think God did the right thing by punishing everyone? Is that what he was trying to do with the earthquake? What would happen there? Like, did they learn their lesson? Is like, is like, oh my God, Jesus is such a good dude. Like, he wanted to forgive them, but guess what? I'm God. I'm going to punish you. I don't see it that way. In Mel Gibson's form, I see it a little bit different, especially with the high priest, with all these characters, with Judas, with Pilate. It's like a lot of these characters have bad connotations, but Mel Gibson made him human, and I think that was the great ending of it because even the high priest gave a look of when his temple— It did. He, he realized yeah. the regret and the remorse. Like, oh, my God, what have I done? Also, you have the demon. The demon is shrieking. That's one, yeah. It's like, no! Because it, it failed. It, it feels like its plan has failed. Exactly. Yeah, it failed, you know? So it failed to tempt Jesus to the dark side, you know? It's truly failed. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and it's that, like, and I told you, like, the characters that we talked about, the main three in history, in this film, there's controversy of them and how they're depicted. But I'm looking more through the film aspect and as characters, like, they're not, they start a certain way and they're in the middle. You see, it's real human. It's so realistic. I think that's why it hits. That's why so many people saw this movie, continue to see it. That's why church congregations are still having screenings, yes, you yes, know? Like, dude. he just gave an element. It's like, you kind of relate to like, oh my God, you finally see what you've read. Like, they are human, you know? Like, I could put a face to what I read. Like, oh shit. Like, maybe, you know, Judas is a horrible person for betraying, but we didn't never saw that, well, maybe there was a lot of guilt to what he did, you know? Yeah. And with all the other characters in this real life, we didn't even talk about the positive. Like, we didn't talk about the both Marys and their sadness, you know? Because how about losing someone they really love? Yes. For mm-hmm. as much guilt as everyone does feel, though, they ultimately ended up with those decisions, and there are consequences to those decisions. Mm-hmm. And not all, you know, uh, rounding it out to the end, it's like not everybody has to be happy, you know? Like, no one is really happy in this story at the end. And I think that's what's, you know, so impactful of it. Yes, well, the film ends with the tomb opening up, and we see Jesus, like, he gets his hands and his feet nailed to the cross, so we see Jesus get up, resurrect, and then his hand still has the hole from the nail, and he just walks out of the cave, and then the film ends with the credits. So, pretty powerful ending. Uh, everyone interprets it as Jesus getting his revenge. I- I'm, yeah, yes, right? Kanye, Kanye's like, yeah, that's right, Jesus. Right, that was his favorite scene. Yeah. So now that we know what the ending is, did Mel Gibson make this film as a believer or non-believer of this story? Oof, that's tough because I see it from two different views now, you know. As a kid, I saw it as a pure believer, you know. I would, blind faith, I didn't have my own, you know, thought process to it. I was using the source material. But now as more as an adult and especially a filmmaker – yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I think so, too. I think ultimately, yeah, he, he wanted to inspire hope and the fact that. And it wasn't too preachy. Like, you know, that's what my other stuff with the other faith based films. It's like you don't have to preach to be preach. You don't have to be preachy to preach. You don't have to shove it down people's throats in order for them to understand it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. Way better. <laughs> OK, cool. Yeah, I guess. And then, you know, yeah, straight, yeah, yeah. Up, straight up. No, you're perfect. You said it right. That's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. Cool. And that's cool. what it is. I guess the final thing we're going to talk about is just how we saw the film then versus rewatching it now, a bit more mature. I'm sure you watch it more with a filmmaker's eye now as well, yes? Yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, appreciate, I appreciate the score, the subtitles, you know, that's three different languages and the commitment from everyone, you know, the dedication. Every department. Yes. Super, super immersive. And that's what I appreciate more. The story is still as impactful, but yes, as a filmmaker, it's like, whoa. 
congratulations. You made a, a film that stood the test of time, and it's still really good. Anything else you want to add, Malv? From filmmaker's view, I would love you, this. We need more great adaptations of stories a lot of people in the world you know. want another mel gibson story so what other mel gibson <laughs> bible story do you want to see him do adam and well, eve you want to see noah well, i heard you want to see david doing and part two he said he was going to do part two and i heard i've i actually have a script written of what i want to do and it's the fall and he said that his next film is going to maybe deal with elements of lucifer's fall and like i have a story print of what i want that's what i would do nice. and i think that's a story that you gotta really mention to the done. audience yeah to, we, we got got it we got an actual religious studies major right here so yeah. this dude we're getting some pretty pretty Doubled premium up. knowledge Film right now. and religion you know and oh, like yes. that's one of the ones i want to do as a great director you have to do at least one religious film or sci-fi one you know so. i like it i like it or like a supernatural element right yeah, or, or, I, yeah. I, yeah. okay cool well that's going to conclude today's episode of movies we were way too young to see uh you can always catch passion of the christ this time of the year if you want to see how accurate it holds up to the text you know you can always go online read the bible or you can go to a hotel room open a couple drawers and you know you'll find a bible there (laughs) then then you'll compare side by side or something like that but no all jokes aside normally our shows are not this intense and serious in discussion we like to have a bit more fun but we wanted to show our respect to this subject matter this story the film itself the film itself and to religion and to christianity and catholicism and jesus and all the people who follow those religions yes 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 but if you want to have more fun go ahead and subscribe to us wherever you listen your podcast if you listen on apple we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating questions comments or anything like that feel free to email us at malvinmogley at gmail.com and one more thing follow us on social media will you at malv underscore n underscore mogley I think that's it, man. I hope everyone has a really cool Easter. I hope you guys grow. I hope you guys learn to forgive. That is going to be a lifelong battle. I think everyone struggles with, you know. I guess we grow gradually each day. Have a blessed weekend, everybody. See you guys next week. Happy Easter.